1: So, good morning Cleveland. I'm here with my co-host Jack. Jack, how
2: are you today? I'm good. It's a nice sunny day here in the UK. Jack, what have you been up to? Uh, I had a cousin's weekend uh, wedding at the weekend and then uh, been watching some football, as soccer as you'd call it. It's just uh, the end of the pre-season. The Real League starts on Saturday.
1: Okay, great. Well, look, this is an NFL uh, show, so let's not talk about uh, football, soccer. Um, we've got a, a superstar guest in the building or on Skype, we could say, uh, John Costco from the PFF. How are you, John?
0: I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Yeah, we're doing very well. Thank you. Thank you very much for your time. Yeah, my pleasure. Happy to talk, uh, football, especially Browns football. Uh, anytime I can get it, I'll take advantage of that.
1: Yeah. So, uh, myself and Jack, um, we've been listening to you on, uh, other podcasts, uh, over the years and we thought this was a great opportunity for you to be our first ever international guest.
0: Uh, I'm honoured. I'm absolutely honoured. So it's uh, I'm glad that you, you've been listening to my you know, podcast over the years and uh, hopefully on also Clinton Brown's Daily uh, where I, I do that show weekly during the football season. So uh, I really appreciate it.
1: OK, great. So, John, I've done some uh, research on you. I see that you're a family man. And uh, I'm going to struggle with the pronunciation on this word. You're out in uh, Benjami. Did I say that correct? Uh, No, not quite. It's Bemidji. Bemidji. Yep. And it's the first city on the uh, Mississippi. Is that correct?
0: It is correct. It's known as the headwaters of the Mississippi as well. It's the most northern city, uh, most northern point of the Mississippi River in, uh, in the U.S., so... Uh, you know I guess you could say it's quite famous for that yeah so so what happens out there well uh, lots of fishing because you know most people in America know Minnesota as the the land of 10,000 lakes there's actually more like 12,000 or so but uh, lots of lakes to fish on Um, a lot of people like to do a lot of snowmobiling when it's winter time, which uh, if anybody knows about Bemidji, it's incredibly cold uh, during the winter. Uh, gets to you know minus twenty for weeks out of time in, it's in the middle of January. So um, yeah, lots of ice fishing then because of that. Uh, but I, you know, it's really peaceful in the, in the winter time. I like it. Most people would absolutely hate it, but you know, you look at during the middle of the summer where it's like. Hundred and fifteen degrees in the southern states where I'm sitting, in at you know seventy five to eighty, and it's really nice. So, um, lots of outdoor activities to do in Bemidji, and uh, mostly it's yeah, centered around uh, the lake setting.
2: Okay. Well, with so many lakes, we've got to obviously ask Brown fan, Browns fans. Has Hugh Jackson been in any of them lakes? Uh,
0: no, no, he has not been in any of the lakes. Uh, and as far as I know, in, in Minnesota, uh, sure. you know, he jumped in what Lake, lake Erie because uh, you know, he had said that he was going to do that. I did a similar uh, silly thing during the winter where I jumped into Lake Bemidji in the middle of February uh, where they cut up big giant blocks out of the, the lake. Um, it's called a polar plunge here in Bemidji. And, uh, you know, I raised some money for charity, so that was nice uh, on that regard. But uh, don't make bold claims on on Twitter without (laughs) checking with your sources again.
1: Well, I'm going to make a big, bold claim now. I'm just going to go for it. When Browns win the first game, I'm jumping in High Park. All right. Sounds good. Okay, good, good. And talking about fish, I did a bit of research on yourself, and you're a bit of a chef. Uh, you did a nice little. Uh, you cooked a nice little sea bass uh, uh, dish with some lemon capers. So uh, you do a bit of cooking in your spare time.
0: Yeah. So something that a lot of people probably don't know about me is that uh, when I graduated from college, I actually went to culinary school in Hyde Park, New York, uh, at the Culinary Institute of America, and I was I graduated from there, and I basically was a a, a cook or a chef for uh, about nine years. Um, no. And so that you know, that's it's a passion of mine for for cooking and uh, making really good food. So yeah, I mean, anytime I get a chance, usually it's my my dad who also lives in, in Bemidji here. He'll order some uh, you know nice seafood or nice uh, meats and stuff like that, and we'll we'll cook at home. He's he's the the person that kind of like got my inspiration for cooking in the first place. So we do a lot of that together.
1: Nice, nice. Well. Not only me and Jack are Browns fans, we're also Chelsea fans, we're also both ex-chefs. So uh, what, what, what I'm going to do is, later on, after this podcast, I'm going to try, get home, cook some food and challenge you to a bit of a food off. Maybe Jack, you can uh, compare who's the best uh, presentation out of
2: the two of us? Uh, I'll give it a go. I'll, I'll do some judging. All right. Jack, you,
0: you make the food and then I'll try to replicate it and contribute
2: <laughs> <improve upon> it. <laughs> okay. Good.
1: So, so tell us, um, with the work you do with uh, PFF, um, are you actually a Browns fan or is it just work for you?
0: Well, it's it's both. So I've, I've been a Browns fan my entire life. My dad grew up in Talmadge, Ohio, which is uh, uh, lower Akron, um, yep. so a suburb of, of Akron there. And grew up a Browns fan, Indians fan, Cavs fan. Uh, I was conceived in Cleveland, but my parents moved away from there when there's uh, six months pregnant with me, so uh, I've essentially been a Browns fan my entire life. It's in the genes, um, but then the work I do for PFF, it's it's is work. I get you know I get a, a salary from PFF and work a full time job with them all year round. So, uh, but you know when you work in football, it's it's you know obviously you, you get to watch football for a living. Essentially, there's more to it obviously than that. There's a lot of training of our processes that we have. Um, you know the Continually getting better at, at collecting the data, adding new data points, uh, lots of stuff like that. But you know, when it cut, boils down to it, you get to—I get to watch football for a living.
1: Yeah, a dream job. Um, Browns, Browns win the Super Bowl. What body part would you be willing to give up for that?
0: Uh, <laughs> it's a but I, I like I like my body intact. I don't know. Come think, on,
1: Browns for the Super Bowl. There's got to be some offside. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there's there's got to be something you got to give up to for that to happen. I I don't know. You know, I think uh, uh, you know I, I would give up uh, the ability to to cook. I guess I don't know. I mean something like where you you. John, I'm, I'm not gonna going to give up the body part. For I need a body part. need an arm and a leg. Okay.
1: <laughs> wow. I, 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 John, I always say my left leg. So uh, you're willing to give your arm and your leg? Wow. <laughs> okay.
0: No. Yeah, my that, left. I'll do the left side too because it's completely uncoordinated. I'm I'm right-handed and left leg. i right dominant. So uh, I, I it's the, the left arm kind of like flops around when I try to throw and. Left, left leg flops around and try to kick. So, you know, one of those two is fine. Probably the arm, though.
1: And uh, in England, we call it football. In America, you call it soccer. What would you call English football?
0: Uh, I call it soccer. Yeah, okay. I, yeah. Okay.
1: That's good. That's good. We like to keep our international fans happy. So uh, we're calling <laughs> it soccer for you today, John. And um, yeah, just, just so I know, um, what's your views if uh, London ever got a franchise?
0: I think, you know, that would be fine. I mean, like, I I have no problem with it. I think the logistics of it would be difficult because when you have uh, scheduling of, you know, a West Coast team, so San Francisco yeah. or LA, and they have to, you know, travel, or even the London team having to travel all the way across that, it's you know, it's a it's a you know, tough. It would be really tough on on that franchise to do that on the players on just the logistics of that. So like, I, it would be interesting to see how they would be able to to get that to work, you know, you know, scheduling would become a little bit more difficult. I think, uh, you know, if like, uh, and, you know, usually you're, you're playing against a division. So you're having two home, two away against say the NFC West. Um, you know, you probably schedule them back to back so that they, the team stays in that area, uh, so that it'd be less, you know, less difficult on the, on the team. But, um, you know, if, if the NFL expands and, and moves a, a, a franchise to to London. I mean, I'd be for it as long as it, you know, that you don't have a t- obviously the the difficulties of making that work out.
1: Yes, it's a tough old uh, commute for a for a game, and uh, and it'd be tough for the fans as well. Um, but yeah, moving uh, moving uh, swiftly on a uh, bit of news at the moment, um, some headlines. Uh, have you heard anything, what's going on with uh, Breland at the moment? It seems to have kind gone of all very quiet.
0: Yeah, it seems like he's just really kind of like buying his time and looking for the best fit. Um, you know, he was in Cleveland a couple days ago at training camp. He went in, into the building with John Dorsey. Um, you know, he was at practice, watching practice. And really, uh, we haven't heard much of, about that since. He's, he's, you know, He was scheduled to see the Ravens and uh, the Colts, but no team has really given an indication that they're going to sign him. I know that the no only contract details that have really come out are that uh, some teams have been offering him one year con- like prove it contracts. The Panthers did offer him like a three year twenty four million dollar contract. Um, apparently, that's what he's kind of looking for. Um, yep. But you know, I think if the Browns can do something to get him signed, that's a win for the Browns because he's you know he's a talented player. He's um, he's not an elite or one of the best in the in the league. But he is a you know when it comes to the secondary, uh, it's you know the most important piece of the defense, um, and if you can if you can bolster that secondary, you'd be uh, in good good shape.
2: Do you think he'd automatically come in as our starting cornerback opposite Ward? Uh, because there's been some question marks over the depth of our cornerbacks because they look really good at the start. PFF had rated them highly, sort of individually coming from other teams this pre um, this offseason. But something's obviously not right because every day we're sort of linked to another different cornerback from a different team. So it seems to be the sort of position where Dorsey's got some questions.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, I don't think you can have enough cornerback depth. Uh, you look yep. at the Eagles last year. Uh, they, they went out and they signed Patrick Robinson to their slot cornerback position. They had drafted Sidney Jones. Obviously, he had come off an injury, but they did a lot of stuff to bolster that. They obviously traded for Ronald Darby, um, and they suffered some injuries. So Darby got injured, but they were able to, because they had put so much effort and, and uh, resources to the position, that they they were able to hold together. When Darby obviously became healthy, he was able to play in the Super Bowl, helped them helped do that. Patrick Robinson was you know the best or the second best slot cornerback in the NFL. So they really did a lot to to add depth and quality talent to it because you never know what's going to happen with, with injuries. So add the player. I think, I think Breland would, would compete for, um, uh, you know, the, the starting position, you know, look at, you know, EJ Gaines and CJ, Carey, uh, TJ, Carey. that they, they're guys that come are coming off of career years, but they have also shown really, really bad play in a previous seasons. Uh, I think when you look at, uh, E.J. Gaines, I think he's probably yep. the more likely player to be the, the the starting cornerback as it sits right now. They don't add Relin. Um, He's He had a good rookie season, was then injured for his second season, came back from it and was pretty shaky, uh, played poorly, but when he went to Buffalo really uh, you know showed off and improved upon his rookie season. So I think he has the best shot to have a starting position. He's probably the guy that would uh, start even I think if Breeland comes in but at least with Breeland he's, he's a guy that if you know Denzel Ward struggles as a rookie which very much mm-hmm. might, might well happen uh, he can he, you know he can trust him to be a starter there.
2: I think, uh, what about Des? There's been all this um, question marks is Des going to come? Um, John Dorsey said they're looking at him would that be a good addition? There's people saying he'd just be a slot receiver, and do we really need another one if we've got Jarvis? What sort of your take on that?
0: Well, I think it kind of depends on on what's going on with like Josh Gordon, right? So um, if he's, you know, in, in, from what I've seen is that Gordon is going to be fine. He's just basically uh, taking care of, you know, he hasn't he has a lot of obviously personal issues and um, you know his issues with with uh, uh, I guess weed in the, in the past has been because he has anxiety. and So he's doing stuff right now to like make sure that that anxiety is under check before the season starts. So he, you know, he stays good, which to me that I think he's going to be back and, you know, so at some point during training camp. And so he's not going to be a problem, but even so, I think with Des, like, if, if, you know, adding a talented player, he's not what he once was, but he's a guy that you can, I think, um, Add to your team, and he's a very talented player. And I think that if if they can make it work, you know, personality wise and money wise, that he should be a guy that you sign to, whether it be a one year deal or even a, a you know maybe a two year deal with a you know team option or something like that. So um, I think you know he's a guy that still has talent. He was a you know uh, Dak Prescott struggled last year, so. Um, and it wasn't all Des Bryant. Des Bryant, yeah, he's separate, he wasn't giving us enough as much separation he has in the past, but Dak was throwing some pretty bad passes to him. So, um, I think, I think with more accurate quarterback, better players and team around, uh, Des can still be a really good player, and Browns can use that.
2: Yeah, I, I think being Browns fans, we know what bad quarterback, quarterback play looks like. <laughs> yeah, definitely saw a bit of that from Kaiser. What do you sort of make of the reason sort of Des stands out compared to all the other moves Dorsey made is because all the other players he sort of brought in have been sort of in mind. of Even the ones on one-year prove-it deals. quite young. So they've got that sort of, if they do well in that one year, we can give them longer contracts. And I, I think that's quite good because especially a team that's not ready to go to a Super Bowl this year, bringing them players in that are hopefully going to be with us for three, four years if they're good, it's a solid move. But one player we brought in, which I still can't say I agree with, I think the money was crazy. Jarvis Landry. What sort of the take on that is?
0: Yeah, I think
2: it's sort of where the cornerback market is, not cornerback. Uh, slot wide receiver market is.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that um, I know that gets a lot of uh, you know talk on Twitter about like, oh, he's only a, he can't he can't make anything happen, or he's just a, you know. He's, to him at five yards down the field he doesn't catch first downs and whatnot and it's a lot of that is how he was used in Miami um you know part of that is you know not not his fault he's getting thrown the ball f- at five yards and he's got to make things happen and he's able to do that um but the money yes that's I think it was a bit much for him but I think in terms of a, the the quality of player he is, he's hes still a very good player just because he doesn't have the prototypical speed, uh, the straight speed that you see out of, uh, you know, you know, the elite players in the league, wide receivers in the league. Uh, he still is a very good route runner, gets open uh, underneath. He can, he, even when he does, you know, have deeper routes, he still gets open uh, and he catches the ball and he's graded, you know, really well every year of his career. Uh, so he's a guy that, Maybe it was overpaid a little bit for it, but I think with a, the guy with his work ethic, uh, his production that, you know, he still can make things happen regardless of where he's catching it. Um, and then what he can bring to, you know, obviously what he can bring to the team. It seems like his, his work ethic is really rubbed off on Corey Coleman. So, um, you know, I think, you know, as as much as it, it is kind of an overpay, I don't, I'm, I'm not against it because he's um uh, because of what he brings at uh, the whole ta- uh, you know what he brings for everything to the table.
1: Yeah, uh, John Jack's a bit of a uh, cap space uh, expert. Jack, we've got loads of money left. Why are you worried about a few million just for Landry? We've got to, got to have him in in there.
2: It's one of them that Sashi took us through this pain, created all this space, and it's about using that money for the sixty million he sort of passed over this year use that over space front load contracts make sure it's being used for a Super Bowl window there seems to be love to blow it all out early and uh, have a party which uh, I'm against and uh, you got Tyrod Taylor there I think do I I think he was a good sign in I think if we'd have had any of the other quarterbacks there to take a number one I think it'd have been a good sign in for me I think Mayfield is going to be the one so what sort of PFF's view and your view on this, when when do you look to pass that over from sort of Tyrod to Mayfield? Um what's what's your view on that?
0: Yeah, so um I think with when it comes to that competition, like like Baker's the better quarterback. And essentially it comes down to like if he's picking up the offense and he's outperforming tyrod in practice and on in preseason games and you know in, in actual situations i think you have to play him because i don't this like uh, tyrod's there is as, as basically bridge slash insurance that that you know the, the quarterback that they were going to draft number one overall you know when they when they did make the trade for him um he was there because he's a proven guy uh the yep. upside with with Tyrod is limited Like I, you know, I think he's, he's a very safe thrower, he's not going to put the ball in harm's way but he's also not going to be uh, making big time throws, he's not going to be stretching the field uh, his accuracy beyond 20 yards really wanes um, but he's, he's a smart player he can, he can obviously run with his legs so there's that aspect to him um, but when it comes to Baker uh, as a guy that, that you know, he, has, he can much better accuracy at all levels of the field He's, they got a stronger arm and he just makes better decisions. He's a, you know, he can read this, the field and even, uh, you know, this was obviously in college, but I think if he's this is, there comes to a point where like, if he's outperforming Tyrod in practice, in preseason, um, I think you, you let him play because I, I don't think, you know, what, what's, what's the ceiling with Tyrod, I think is probably, you know, you're looking at, you know, if everything goes right for the Browns are probably winning eight games, uh, but there's also a floor of, you know, probably four wins. Right. But with Baker, I think there is that, um, you know, that's next step that the team can make. Um, the variance is higher because you're not sure how he's going to transition to the NFL, but, um, we're pretty confident that if he were to play, that, that it would be a better team. Um, yeah. and I, you know, I, I share that opinion. And I think that's a opinion that, uh, pretty much everybody at PFF agrees with um, that, you know, potentially, I mean, still, it's potentially you can only win four games, but I think the ceiling becomes higher with Baker where you're you're definitely getting into, you know, you can get into the playoffs with him. So I think, you know, whatever the path is, as soon as he he can play, put him in there.
1: Hugh Jackson has come out backing Tyrod Taylor to play a quarterback this season. But do you think Baker Mayfield... We'll play a lot this season.
0: Well, that's the thing. Is like, um, you know, I think he's firm in that, but you know, Hugh Jackson is really a a type of guy that says a lot of things in previous seasons where they didn't. You know, things changed, right? So, um, yeah, and with not just the quarterback position, but really any position, and um, you know, so I think with with uh, what he says, maybe. You know, obviously it holds weight because it is coming from the head coach. But I think uh, just because he's saying it, you know, he's I think, um, you know, there's there's an aspect there where obviously in previous seasons where you're playing a rookie quarterback and and Kessler and Kaiser who uh, Kessler was was Kaiser was really bad. Um, You know, I don't I think he's probably anticipating, you know, kind of gun shy about playing another rookie quarterback, you know, three years in a row. Uh, so I think, you know, he's really going into this really wanting to play the veteran and a veteran that is coming off of a playoff appearance. So um, it's, it's going to be difficult. I think what, you know, it depends on, on Hugh Jackson and you know how really the, the quarterbacks perform. But, you know, Hugh might be stubborn enough just to stick with Tyrod the entire season. Um, and so we'll see. I mean, it's difficult to really say how, how he's yeah. going to play it out. Um,
1: and moving on to the uh, wide receiver room, do you see any um, surprises there at all? Or you think it's quite clear who our six um, WRs are?
2: Well, go on, I'll ask. I know he's chomping at the bit, Paul. He wants to know Callaway is his big man crush in our roster. How is he looking? What do you make of him?
0: Yeah, he, he's a guy that really has, obviously, the, the talent, but he obviously didn't play last year, he went to the fourth round. Might, might be a stealer if he can control his, his off field and, you know, keep that clean. Uh, extremely good route runner. You know, you know, he tested out his, in terms of speed, not like an elite, but like his playing speed is much better than what his, his uh, 40 time was, was. And um, he's a guy that really can, can make an impact for the, for the Browns. Uh, so I think I, you know, I really like what the wide receiver depth is. Coleman is a guy that obviously needs to step up this year. He has all the talent in the world, but I think is, you know, from what what we've heard is that his work ethic the past two years wasn't great. And, you know, like I said and, and alluded to earlier, Jarvis Landy coming in there has been a real good boost for him to get him back on, uh, you know, to working hard and, and stuff. And, you know, you can hear it in training camp that he's having a really good camp so far. So hopefully that carries over for him and then, you know, obviously Jarvis Landry, proven guy. Josh Gordon, uh, we know what he was able to do in just five games after not playing for, you know, a couple seasons. So, uh, it's a real, it's a room that's really good. Callaway, I think, is going to be a, a nice addition, um, really good route runner. And then even like with a guy like Rashard Higgins, he's going to be, yep. a, I think, a really good fifth wide receiver for them. Um, you know, I, the wide receiver position is not – not easy transition from college to pro, especially with like, even with Higgins, when he was a group of five, you know, coming from Colorado state, um, his competition there was obviously a lot less than obviously the power five or even in the NFL. So, um, takes a couple of seasons. Now you got a quarter, you got two quarterbacks that are going to get the ball there accurately. So, and read the fields better. So you're going to see, um, better production from the receiving group, just because of better quarterback play. You know, this. it's impossible to, to separate the two. You know, a guy could be streaking down a field wide open. The quarterback never sees him. You saw that a number of times with Kessler and yep. Kaiser the past two years. Uh, hopefully, you're not going to be able to you know, see that this year.
1: And Yanis um, Ratlick, um, out of them two, who can you see um, making the roster? Uh, it, it, it'll be
0: tough. tough. Is Ratley? I didn't hear of Ratley. Uh, his hip injury was serious, and I think he came back from practice. But um, I think Ratley's going to be a practice squad guy. So uh, you're going to be um, uh, probably looking at uh, um, uh, his name is Slippermere. Who's the other? Yeah. There we go. Yeah. So him.
2: So, look, looking at the the big thing, lots of people ask about left tackle, and you've sort of got. I'd say the rankings at the moment is. Coleman's the favourite. Then you've got uh, Robinson behind him, the former, is it number two pick? Then you've got Corbett, who they sort of prefer as a guard but could play out there. And then you've got sort of the wild card in Desmond Harrison. What, would you sort of make of that challenge? Because there's four of them that, I'd say, they've all got a shot of making the roster.
0: Yeah. Um, so, you want I think, I'm looking at Sean Coleman probably starting the season. Um, but uh, you know, I think what really what needs to happen is Joel Patona needs to kick out to left left tackle, and they're going to need to play Austin Cobert at, at left guard or anybody that you know you know merges at left guard because like the most important position on the offensive line is um uh, is a left tackle position, and you're obviously losing Joe Thomas, which is a big loss for the team. Um, so if you can get uh, your best position player at that position. Um, and so let's say even Joel Batoni is only an average left tackle. Um, that's better than having an elite left guard and a, and a bad left tackle. If you can have yep. an average left tackle and a, an average left guard, you're, you're, you're going to be a lot better off because the difference between an elite left tackle and an average left tackle is, you know, as much as we love Joe Thomas – it's not that great and doesn't add that much more to wins. I mean, Joe Thomas was the best left, left tackle in the NFL for 10, 11 seasons. Uh, but how many times did they, you know, go win two, three, three or four, yeah. or one or zero games with him. So like um, there's, there is that aspect to it. Like a lot of teams have average offensive lines and, and, you know, they're able to, to maintain. So you get an average left tackle, average left guard. It's going to be much better if, you know, if Corbett can be an average left tackle, that's fine. I think you can play that. But I think Coleman last year showed that he was uh, quite poor uh, at just at right tackle. Uh, maybe moving over to left tackle will help him out because that was what he played at Auburn. But um, and then uh, yeah, Desmond Harrison is a, is a big kind of wild card there. Um, there's you don't have any data on him because he was um, in an FCS team. We we don't grade FCS competition unless they're playing FBS competition. So um, there is that, that aspect to it. A lot of people have, you know, you look at his tape, he has really good movement skills, but uh, he'll have a transition from, you know, lower, lower uh, college to the NFL as well. So I think, I think Batonio needs to, I know that he doesn't want to play left tackle, but I think if that's what's the best for his team, he should do that.
1: Yeah. And uh, what's your view, um, Peppers versus uh, Kindred? It's, it's uh, super close. You know, who, who do you think is going to be uh, starting against the Steelers?
0: Well, I would go with Peppers. Um, you know, I think uh, Kindred is a, is a really good run defender. But when you, uh, you know, Peppers, for one, was playing out of position. But you look at what what Peppers was able to do in the final game of the season last year where he played in the box and he played his more natural position. Uh, he was excellent. He played, he had his best game of the year. Uh, yes, it was against uh, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, less Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, but uh, he still was going up against NFL competition and played extremely well. Um, and Kindred is a guy that still struggles to um, recognize, you know, route concepts. Um, you know, he bites on play action quite a bit. He's a, even though he's a good run defender, I think he's the guy that you you um, you rotate in as opposed to having as your full time starter. And I think Peppers going to be playing a more natural position. Uh, will will be quite good as a as a starting strong safety there.
2: So with linebackers, there's obviously been big improvement this off season. Uh, the additions of Kendricks, but also of Avery's gone down really well the last um, couple of weeks. What do you sort of make of? Greg Williams has said he wants to keep three linebackers on. It's a four-three defense. Them three linebackers have got to be there. Lots of people announcing the base defense in the NFL move to drop on them linebackers, put on another DB. What do you sort of make of our room? And also, should we be changing that base defense, or has Greg
0: Williams got a point? Um, well, the, the the room is is solid. I think um, you know. Hopefully, Collins is going to be healthy and and back to his normal self. But what needs to happen is, is a move away from having three linebackers out there on 70% of the plays. So like the Browns had ran their base defense uh, more than any team in the NFL last year, which is odd for Greg Williams defense that when he was with the Rams and in 2016, uh, he ran nickel and dime and sub packages uh, about 85% of the time. So he was playing with one or two linebackers that, you know, only 15%, you know, for, for 85% of the time, only three linebackers, 15% of the time. Um, so his change to playing a bunch of linebackers, you know, three linebackers at 70% of the time with the Browns was a bit odd. So if, if he can move back to how he, um, you know, implemented the, the defense in LA, uh, it would help a lot. Because obviously the more uh, defensive backs you have in the field, the better it is you can defend the pass. Uh, stopping the run, I would say the Browns are really good at it last year. But as you saw, like the old adage of like run the football, stop the run, didn't do anything for the Browns last year. They were they were one of the best teams in the league at doing both of those. Didn't win a single game. It's all about the pass game. So get more defensive backs out on the field. Get those linebackers off. You can have sub packages where you you know maybe have one defensive lineman like you know Miles Garrett out there, uh, and they have a bunch of linebackers blitzing and stuff like that. But um, definitely have to reduce the n- amount of times that you're in base because it's it's just not good uh, you're, you're, you're hemorrhaging yards in the passing game when you have three linebackers out there and four defensive linemen. Um, and as far as like the, the room goes, yep. you know, like, Chobert was a guy obviously he made the Pro Bowl last year. Maybe it's a bit, you know, of a uh, stretch to call him a Pro Bowl linebacker, but he really did improve as the year went on. In the second half of the season, he was uh, he graded really well. Uh, Kendricks comes over. He was you know, solid in coverage, really good in run defense. Uh, Kirksey kind of had an off year in terms of uh, what he was able to do, but typically he's been good throughout his career as a covered linebacker. Um, and then Collins needs to be utilized better. Uh, he's a guy that really excels as a A-gap blitzer, part of more than a, a four-man rush. They've been utilizing him as an edge rusher in Cleveland a lot, and that's just not what his, he's good at. Um, he pretty much gets, like, no pressure off the edge. Um, and then when he goes into the A-gap, he's at pressure at, like, 25% of the time. So uh, much better player there. And dropping – when he comes into coverage, you need to drop him in zones and not in man coverage. That's not his forte as a, as a man cover guy against tight ends and running backs. He gets beat too often there. So, you know, I think the better utilization of those guys will help the team a long ways.
1: Do you think that all four of them get quite even snaps?
0: Yeah, I think, I think there'll be a – I mean, I, I hope so. But, you know, you. I think um, it's just tough to say what, what Greg Williams is going to do. You'd hope that they kind of have a good rotation, right? So, like, you hope that they have a good rotation. They all kind of get equal snaps and then, um, you know, in, in that regard. But I think you just don't know what they're going to do. But you would want them uh, to obviously stay fresh, which would be better for – uh, injury purposes and stuff like that. At least the depth is there in case injury does happen. So, uh, but yeah, I think it's it's anybody's guess what Greg Williams is going to do.
1: <laughs> no, John, that was uh, really useful. Thank you. Um, I've got a question. Um, any uh, PFF tips for uh, my Browns fantasy football this year?
0: Yes, you sign up for for PFF Elite, and that'll get you access to like to every single. Fantasy article that our guys put out. It gets you access to the database of, of the grades, uh, new premium stats 2.0. It'll get you, um, you know, the tools and the, and the draft master tool that we have, um, and basically just give you everything that you need to know. We have a lot of guys that um, in our fantasy department that um, you know are consistently ranked at the top of uh, the ranking boards of uh, those. Websites that that rank fantasy uh, analysts, and then uh, you know I think it was either it was last year or the year before we had a one of our DFS experts won like seventy five thousand dollars on a on like a Sunday night game or something like that using his exact lineup that he put out on the website. So um, you know you can make some good money that way at DFS, and it, the guys do in the fantasy department do a really good job with helping you. You know there's there's an article right now that Shows you how you can get the most of your uh fantasy subscription, your PFF Elite subscription to the better utilized fantasy. So, yeah, it, definitely go to join up with Elite. I know it's um, you know, it's $200 a, to uh to join for a year, it's like $35 per month, but uh, it's incredible, it's worth it, it's absolutely worth it because of the amount of information you get. If you want a discount, I have it on my Twitter account Ooh. where I tweet out sometimes uh, a a link that'll give you a, uh, I think it's like, it's usually like 10% off or $10 off or something like that. Even though it's not much of a discount, it's still a discount, you know, not full price. So um, definitely, definitely go to my Twitter account. To I'll I'll retweet that out too, so that it will be at the top of my page, so that everybody can do that.
1: Now, thanks thanks, uh, there, John. Yeah, hear that, Jack? I'm gonna be using uh, the PFF for my fancy football, the prize money is coming to me.
2: Uh, can you just remind us, John, what your Twitter account is?
0: It is at John Costco three. I used to have the at PFF handle, but I just I changed it for personal reasons. But that can it's at John Costco, which is K O S K O three, the number three that is.
2: Good stuff. And I'd just like to say, a massive fan, not only of the PFF written stuff, but of the two podcasts. You got sort of the PFF Pro. Podcast NFL, which is uh, good for your sort of general NFL content. But my favorite one, I've got to say, is the PFF uh, Forecast, which is just absolutely fantastic. Two lovers of Sashi Brown there, which is – I love that. But uh, just going into all sort of the analytics side, their deep dives each week and uh, just some absolute fantastic content. So if you want to know more, make sure you go and follow them too. But uh, I'd recommend if if you're only choosing one – Choose the forecast, guys. They're absolutely fantastic.
0: Yes, I agree. Those guys, Eric and George, do a fantastic job with their podcast. Uh, always injecting some humor in there, and uh, giving you the goods on uh, wins above replacement, expected points added. Uh, you know, like basically an analytical deep dive into our data. Uh, it's a really good stuff. They do lots of um, you know team by team, division by division previews, stuff like that. So. Um, they're also guys that if you, if you do a lot of betting on football, uh, they're, they're definitely guys to follow. Um, last year, uh, their, their picks, you know, they were 70% correct and, and against the spread. So with their, with their, uh, locks of the week. And so they're really good, uh, you know, utilizing our data. They do a really good job of, uh, you know, quote unquote profiting as well. So, um, Definitely follow those guys uh, and give that a listen because, yeah, it, there really isn't a better uh, football podcast out there right now. That's that's just going deep dive into analytics.
2: Just just in the spirit of them guys, do you have a flavor flavor of
0: San <laughs> Uh What do what, what did they have? They have like uh, uh strawberry.
2: Um, I, I'd go with amazing analytics of a splash of Sashi Brown.
0: <laughs> That's a good one too, yes. Um, thank you, Sashi. Uh, hashtag thank you, Sashi. <laughs> um, so, you know, a real quick question from from my side. What, You know, you guys live in the UK. What got you to be uh, football fans and Browns fans in general?
1: Yeah, starting started about um, 15 years ago, John. Um, uh, my friend used to come back with Browns t-shirts. Obviously my name, Paul Brown with the Browns. And, yeah, they were always my team from number one. Uh, And then, obviously, when you do a bit of research, you find that, obviously, Paul Brown, huge uh, guy with the Cleveland Browns, there was no choice, you know. Um, And, yeah, that's why I'm a Browns fan. Jack? um,
2: My story's a bit different. So, sort of about 15 years ago, I was over in the States, turned on my first ever game when I was out there, and sort of, it was the uh, New England Patriots versus the Miami Dolphins, and I thought well, it's not really a decision here. One team's got England in the name. I was only younger, so I was like, I'm going to be a New England fan. And then sort of four or five years when I got more into the NFL, mainly through playing an awful lot of Madden, um, it was like, right, you, you can't support the team that wins everything. So I was looking around, and as a lover of analytics and everything else, Moneyball and wider area like that. Cap space. Paul D Podesta joined the Browns, and I was like, that is it. I'm a Browns fan. And uh, one win in two years, and Sashi Brown sacked. It's uh, it's it's tough, but we're getting there. Yeah,
0: indeed. That's uh, you know, to to obviously with the name of Paul Brown, you have to be a Browns fan. There, you can't really. It's not even a choice. And then uh, your choice, Jack, for uh, choosing the Browns is pretty interesting too. Uh, a a baseball guy joins the Browns, and you become a, fr- a fan. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, I like it both. Both those, you know, one story that I don't think many people know is that a lot of people think that the Browns are named after Paul Brown, when it's not actually the case. They they chose that name after Joe Lewis, the Brown Bomber. So the Browns are the are named after the Brown Bomber Joe Lewis, the boxer back in the back in the day, uh, and then it just kind of made sense, and a lot of people have just kind of accepted as being named after Paul Brown, but that's not the uh, that's not the case and how it originated if you didn't know. You learn something every day. Yes, indeed. Uh, but yeah, you know, so Browns, yeah. they're going to have more than one win this year. So Jack, <laughs> Jack just got to stick around, all right? right?
2: Yeah. We've still got Hugh Jackson, remember?
0: <laughs> yes. Come on. I've
1: told you 10 times now it's a pro Hugh Jackson show. So uh, <laughs> yeah. John, thank you so much for your time. Um, congratulations for being the first ever person international person on our podcast and um yeah thank you very much
0: yeah my pleasure guys uh you know continued luck with your show hopefully it uh keeps going it goes uphill from here and um you know it's been it's been a pleasure talking with you
1: yeah thank you thank you and yeah and uh uh, uh next show jack is gonna have his limelight he's gonna host the next show and it's all about cap space so um Yep, you're going to be... Uh,
2: yeah, it's 1am I'm, I'm going to go into deep dive whether is any quarterback worth extending. It's questions you, you've got to ask about any team. Do, where do you pick a running back in the draft? And uh, no, it's, it's going to be interesting. So uh, any questions you guys have, remember it's praise to Paul at... What's your Twitter handle?
1: Uh, Paul Brown underscore UK.
2: And if you hate anything on this show and you want to moan at anyone, my Twitter handle's <laughs> at Jack Nothing. <Nuffin. laughs> So uh, no, hit us up and uh, let us know what you think.
0: You know, you know, speaking on by the way, to sorry to interrupt on your your no. sign off here, but talking about how is it is it worth it to pay money to a quarterback and extend a quarterback? We just had an article by Gordon McGinnis. Uh, he lives in Scotland, by the way. Um, that is it worth it to when is it worth it to pay big money for an NFL quarterback? So. Uh, Just an interesting segue
2: there. I'll go read that. I'm of the viewpoint. You'll hear more next episode and why. Um, Brady and Rogers are the only two I'd extend over 10% of the salary cap. So uh, it's bold. It's a hot take, but uh, we'll see.
1: Uh, Yeah, Jack, you're going to be educating me. I'm going to be in the corner taking notes, learning. Um, But, yeah, guys, John, we've taken far too much of your time. Thank you so much. Jack, thanks a lot for coming in tonight. And yeah, guys, everyone that's listening internationally, we've got fans from Japan, Spain, Switzerland, yeah, US. I just want to say thank you very much. And um, yeah, this is only our fourth episode, so we're learning. We're taking all the feedback on. And uh, thank you very much. Uh, let's go straight from strength. Thank you very much. The wheat is worth it And stop on it But I have no fear Cause London is drowning out